students around the world are finishing their qualifications so they can get ahead in life and make their contribution. If you are studying, researching or thinking about it, you will need practical tips, techniques, coaching and support to help you get finished and be successful. I'm Peter Alkmaar, the Student Success Coach, and welcome to the podcast. Each episode, I interview successful students and leaders in education so that you will learn everything you need right here. You will learn about writing, completing your thesis and other projects, planning, discipline, how to get more done, supervisors, getting published, getting finished, how to have the right discipline, and many other aspects of student life. Whether you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or any other podcast platform, please leave a rating and a review. Or if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe, and leave a comment. Either way, please get in touch and let us know what you think of the show and what you want to hear more of. Please always check the show notes for links to courses, material, and plenty more so that you can use what you've learned in each episode take action and achieve your student success. Please also join the Student Success Coach community in our exclusive members-only Facebook group where I post regularly and you can interact with fellow students just like yourself. Remember, you can't do this alone, so reach out, get involved and take advantage. It's my commitment to your success. Now for this week's episode. Right. Good afternoon, everybody. And uh, just while everybody's getting online, um, I just want to say a very warm welcome to uh, Meredith Wiseman, Senior Lecturer from Manish University in Australia, and uh, give her a chance to introduce herself just now. But guys, as always, this is our sort of Friday lunchtime webinar and really, really just need to know where you're from today. Uh, so let us know how you're getting on today. Uh, please just uh, you know, give us some love in the chat. Uh, tell us which university you're from, and then also specifically tell us, you know, what sort of uh, aspects of student stress you're interested in. Are you dealing with something at the moment? Uh, you know, is there a specific aspect of your life that you'd like some input into? We've got Meredith. She's an expert in this. She's researching this. You know, we certainly need your help as well to give her some data points, and uh, we'll provide a link to her survey um, in due course. So let's just uh, double check. We've got everybody coming online and giving us some love, saying hi, so that we can respond to you and uh, see which universities uh, we've got coming onto the, um, onto the session today. And as always, maybe just uh, while you're doing that, a bit of an introduction if this is your first webinar. And of course, also welcome to those people that are you know, watching the replay of this and the recording is available at exactly the same link. Uh, so the brand that we run here uh, and the YouTube channel is called The Student Success Coach. Uh, so we have courses, we have coaching, we have a members-only Facebook group, that's our community, uh, through which I actually met Meredith and uh, through which we had a few chats to uh, have some discussions and, and get her on the show. And I'll be providing further links and I've got a few courses on promotion, but we'll add those into the chat uh, as we go through the session. So Meredith, we want to talk about your research, we want to talk about student wellness, we want to ask, you know, answer the questions that people are going to ask today. But before we do that, you know, some introduction to yourself, please. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, Peter. Um, g'day, everyone. I guess I should start like that. Uh, from uh, sunny Australia, and uh, I'm down in a state called Victoria, where we've been in lockdown for pretty much most of 2020. So we've had a very challenging year. Uh, students have particularly found it challenging um, as we all adapted to moving to online learning and online study. Um, so my background, uh, I'm actually a health professional. I'm a pharmacist, worked in about mm, over 20 years in, in hospital pharmacy and a few little bits and pieces in community pharmacy as well. So my background is in in care and uh, as part of that in my previous role to being a lecturer at uni um, 
I was uh, also the wellness lead for our hospital pharmacy department, of which we had around 250, a large hospital, 250 staff members in our department. Um, and it's a very high acute um, tertiary uh, referral centre for a lot of um, trauma um, and transplant, uh, lots of different specialties, burns, etc. So high levels of stress. And uh, so I became the wellness lead. Don't know how I got that role at the time. But what I found was I had a lot of um, our staff that would approach me and I didn't have the skills to help them at the time. I was a good listener, but I couldn't give back what I needed to give back. So I started uh, researching what I needed to do to be able to help them and then came across coaching. And so I've become uh, a professional coach or I'm still studying, so I'm like you and uh, enjoying the, the challenge and journey of studying again after a long time. Um, and balancing those life, uh, the, the life circle of family uh, and keeping up with my healthcare profession as well as, as uh, coaching and uh, lecturing as well. So lots of bits and pieces in there. Wonderful. Okay, great. Meredith, thanks for that introduction. It certainly feels like you're well qualified, um, you know, to talk about student stress and wellness. And, uh, you know, you're obviously going to extend that with the research that you're doing. And we're certainly willing to to help you and get the data from this community, um, you know, which I think you found had some similarities to the work that you were doing, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, so, so Meredith, I mean, let's just kick off now and, and really help, you know, the students and everyone that's on the call today. You know, we've all experienced, you know, quite a traumatic, you know, 12 months or so. Um, I think it's been universal in terms of the lockdowns and the impact on studies and moving that online. And at the best of times, postgraduate studies certainly is a very lonely journey. And, you know, we've always, you know, relished the opportunity to go onto campus. And if you were studying undergrad, you had modules and lectures, you know, you had that social interaction. You had a chance to offload you know, grab a bite to eat with somebody, grab a coffee in the canteen, et cetera. And maybe, you know, you know, some universities that's starting to come back a bit, but I think we've, we've lost that. So in, in addition to the mm. stress of, of just getting through the volume of stress of, of work, we've lost the interaction with students. Now, going forward, Meredith, how can students, you know, take practical steps to manage their stress levels? I guess um, the first thing I'd say, Peter, is... Um, to realise the positive um, influences that 2020 has given us. So instead of looking at it as all the challenges that we had that came, but it also gave us a lot of um, positives that we can connect via Zoom or via StreamYard, which I've been mm. introduced to today um, via Peter um, after a few difficulties. <laughs> um, but also... <laughs> You know, it, it gives you those challenges that stretch you to be able to try something different. And without those um, challenges, we don't come across each other. I wouldn't have met Peter um, or yourselves. So think about those positives first and then consider those as strengths that you've accomplished over 2020 and then take those forward. So, yes, we still have a lot of work to do and we still have uh, all of our connections that we've lost. But if we can also see that some positives have come out, that's one thing that we can hang our hat mm. on. Mm. Um, um, yeah, Meredith, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so the other thing is with those changes, we need to reflect on how we balance the foundations of stress, so looking at, you know, our sleep patterns and our diet and our exercise or movement, particularly as study, which is mm. it, we're sitting or standing a lot and how mm. we contribute um, to our exercise patterns um, while we're studying and how we can adapt to this new environment um, or how we can connect with others um, to be able to continue to have that exercise in our lives, to mm. ensure that we, because exercise gives us so much in terms of our um, uh, 
uh, our mental health as well as our physical health. Mm. Meredith, thank you. That's so helpful. And just Francois posted a question there, which I hope you can see on the screen there, where he talks about lockdown stress as a real problem for him. And I think like everybody else, he finds that because we're all online now, you know, those boundaries mm. have blurred. So you wake up in the morning and the stress starts. You know, you, you a lot of us are probably now checking our emails in, 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 in bed and realizing, oh, we already missed a meeting now because, I mean, you know, I know in our organization, we sort of instituted some guidelines about the fact that meetings couldn't start too early. Whereas previously we would be in the office and we wouldn't be able to set a meeting because we knew people had to get through traffic and you know arrive and manage all the rest of it and so on. Now those boundaries are gone. So mm. how, 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 do we, how, do we, how do we manage that stress and how do we help Francois with this practical challenge that he's got here of waking up and that stress is already starting to build on his shoulders? I think it's a, it's a really hard one, but one of the first things you need to do with stress is learn to avoid. So if, if those things are coming at us and stress is building, we're not going to be able to work well. So we need to be able to set our own boundaries and be able to say no, you know, six o'clock in the morning to be answering emails or, or to be, you know, going through trying to um, appraise papers in, to a deadline or whatever study you, um, you're up to is, is outside your boundaries and we have to set personal boundaries as well as have the university boundaries. So I think the value is in having those personal boundaries and um, the harder bit is sticking to them, but first yep. we have to set them. Yeah, and 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 to the point of miss, you know sticking to the, those deadlines and boundaries as you talk about here, yeah, Evine says that COVID nineteen stress really hard to learn through online, and being the first time for us. I mean, I actually mm. sat with a, a group of students from a local Vitz business school uh, yesterday. They're going through a postgraduate um, diploma, and um, lockdown for twenty twenty. That same class before them was was yeah, they had to get internships and so on. And the stress of now getting a job or an internship or contract work as part of that postgraduate diploma during 2020 was 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 catastrophic for them. So we were talking through the class of 2021 and how they needed to almost get ahead and take advantage of these things and adapt, as you were saying, to the opportunities that 2020 has given us now. Um, but to Evine here, where you know she acknowledges that she sometimes missed classes or assignments, etc., and. I think, you know, we've relied on the physical form factor of things like a notice board at mm. university. You'd always walk past that notice board in the morning and there was a habit that formed and you could check that and the lecturer would say, I'm going to post the assignments up on the notice board. Now, everything is literally through your phone or your laptop. And if you don't check that tab or that email, we've probably all got two or three inboxes, et cetera, or that calendar, you know, it's all digital, but it's completely blurred now. So how do we help? students get the focus back that they need to avoid missing the deadlines? I guess it'll be different to, for every student and uh, students aren't alone in this. This is also for lecturers. We've had to adapt and, and learn the same kind of, uh, uh, we have our schedules on the wall. I had my whole calendar, my 2020 calendar, <laughs> exactly. everything was on that. <laughs> and I wished I could have taken it with me, but it was left yeah. on something allowed back in so um we're all in similar boats but what we do have is the ability to go hey okay i'm going to walk through a day and think about what did i use those physical things at university that i need to find in a different way so it's being able to adapt and use different skills and different uh, technologies or um and it also allows you to realize what's valuable as well those timetables or those schedules which you took for granted at university so walking through a day um, is is really valuable and seeing what you can um, take away from what you used to do mm. and bring new things um, into this new world that we have so what I'm hearing you say is that you know and just linking to what you said earlier about the opportunities is we probably thought 2020 was a bit temporary and we'd sort of be back to normal in 2021 and so we thought okay well let's just get through 2020 and then you know subconsciously we thought well we'll have all of those that we can rely on to manage our day and remind us and catch up with our friends etc and so on but 
if it's going to become more permanent, we have to think about our home space compensating for what we've lost in terms of not going into varsity or into the office or into another physical space where we would have had those things. Now, the boundary issue still remains because you've got your family life calendar and then you've got your work life calendar and then probably some other type of, you know, so on and so forth. But And people don't always have their own room even that they can spend time in or when they're in a one-bedroom, you know, student flat somewhere on campus potentially. Uh, where they will mm. str struggle to get that space and setup that they need. So, I mean, anything that you've learned or experiences or stories that you can relate to us about how students have adapted and possibly those that have adapted a bit quicker and said, look, I need to set myself up from home now. Home is my mm. university. Home is my work. Home is my family life. Um, any tips and tricks specifically for students where they've adapted a bit quicker than others maybe? Um Probably more in reflection, Peter. Um, we've had some we had some late uh, sessions with the uh, students last year with coaching, and we talked a lot about the online um, environment and the home environment. And we felt that uh, debriefing, but also sharing, not just with our uh, peers, but also with our supervisors, if you get mm. the chance to um, really connect and allow yourself to be open that those those boundaries are blended a little bit and stretch your belief that they need to um, to be separate because um, mm. maybe they don't and maybe this will go forward. It'll be different for everyone, um, yep. you know, whether, whether that works for them or not, but maybe it's a limiting belief that we need to have work separate and home separate. For example, right now here in Australia, mm. for me, it's it's you know going on nine thirty, and I'm sure my husband <laughs> would like to walk through here to get get to you know set up get for, the fridge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but that can't happen right now. So we do learn to adapt. Um, but what I have found is just sharing those um those challenges with each other, but also. Yeah understanding we're all going through a similar thing and so being mm. able to share and mm. what we found is that on a weekly basis is really good if you can find someone in the group that you can talk to on a weekly basis how have you dealt with this is is really helpful and then um, having a, a lecturer or a coach or someone within your faculty mm. um, is is another step ahead of that yeah 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 uh, so Meredith I mean maybe just from my perspective and what's helped me um, mm -hmm. is uh, you know the principles of Kanban and uh, you know I teach that in a course and I'll just provide an access link to that for everybody to go and uh, you know enroll in that course and get some value from today and that course is actually on uh, promotion today so you can get into it for free but really in a in a nutshell um, you know and I certainly believe in having that physical form factor around your desk and your workspace, et cetera. And I don't rely entirely on what I can see on a screen to be organized. It's just, mm. a, you know, that sort of traditional old three columns of saying, this is my list of things to do. This is what I'm working on. That's in progress. And then let's celebrate the column where it's done, mm. you know, and I just yeah. take a sticky note. And like I always say to my students and how I coach them is to don't set your expectations too high for what you can get done. Manage your tasks at a low level. And if it's 200 words for that assignment, that's your task for the next few days. Put that into the in-progress column. And then when you sit down at your desk, you just look at your in-progress column. Don't worry about everything that's on your to-do list or your backlog. Just focus on what's in your in-progress column. As long as everything is in there, your mind is focused and you can get through that. And then by the end of the day, you can you know, perform that physical act, which I think entrenches and reminds you of the accomplishment you made of moving that, that post-it note from the in-progress column to the done column, you know? And then you feel and even that in itself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was going to exactly. say, that that's a celebration in itself, just moving yeah. it across. Hey. Moving those stickies. <laughs> I mean, I was interviewing a senior lecturer from Wits University on the podcast, actually, and I'll put the link into the chat as well, but he was just saying that, you know, he, he sort of also says to students, don't even, don't even try and complete 200 words. Just sit down at your desk. You yes. know, that's, that's yeah. an accomplishment. And when, when we've got parents, you know, that are also studying and they've got two or three kids running around that are also on uh, online and, you know, doing their schoolwork at home, even just to sit down at your desk, 
you know, and get five, 10 minutes that you can focus. That's a task. And I would put that yeah. at the top of your Kanban board, move that across. Okay, I've sat down at my desk. Now I can do 50 words. Once I've done 50 words, no one's calling me. I can get another 50 words done. I can get another 50 words done. Um, so, 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 and different strokes for different folks. I mean, you know, we all have our own sort of, you know, ways in which we adapt and, and, and manage our lives, I suppose. But Kanban's been very powerful for me. Oh, fantastic, Peter. Uh, another thing to add to that, I guess, is um, one of the strategies we use is that every day you set up and your um, your tasks, as you say, might be different each day. So for that day, you may have research as a, you know, you might want to write 50 words, um, but you may also have another task and the, your priorities will change. So to do that, you know, task building every day, to some mm. extent, say, 10 or 15 minutes just to prioritize and that's all you're trying to achieve if you get more done fantastic but um don't try and have a list as you said that yeah. you know, you're trying to get yeah. it all done in one day <laughs> um so and it may change from day to day one thing that yeah. didn't get done yesterday may not be a priority for tomorrow at all sure sure so sure change yeah. I mean, I think, and I also, you know, often talk to students, you know, I have my own notebook with my lists and everything in there, but sometimes those lists can be intimidating. Even an email inbox is another list of oh. someone else's <laughs> tasks that they put on you, but yeah. you must manage what's actually in progress. You know, what is it that is in some form of motion and you need to put some effort into in the next two, three, four, five, six hours? So Fleur says here, you know, as postgraduate students, we've had to rely so much on self-motivation to keep achieving our goals and projects. It's been quite a challenge to try to stay disciplined every day for almost a year. And I think we we chatted about this in a, a previous session, but, you know, Fleur, we're all in this in the same boat. And we've all had those days where we, you know, haven't made it further than between the couch and the fridge, you know, um, for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, there's been real reasons, you know, deaths and jobs and so on that have given us real reasons for, 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 you know, being demotivated and not making it through, et cetera. But as you say, if you can get it down to a day by day and each day just gets better and better, don't compare yourself to where you were in 2019. You know, if you can just compare yourself mm -hmm. to yesterday and you've made progress or you've ticked off some tasks or you got one more hour done than you did yesterday, you're actually being successful in today's disrupted world. Would you agree there, um, Meredith? Absolutely, Peter. I mean, you know, sometimes, especially as postgrad students, we're, we're high achievers here. So we set our goals pretty high and they can't stay that high every day. We've got to have ups and downs, you know, part of life, 50% is good and 50% is not so good. So we, we can't be up in that high achiever all the time. Um, talking about motivation, one of the um, things around motivation is to have that effort. You you want to have learning and motivation to to get mm. your effort, get those tasks done. So with motivation, it's if you're feeling a bit demotivated and it's not an external um, reason for that demotivation. It's just been many days of the same thing. Sometimes yep. um, one approach is to go back and think about the purpose. Why are you doing what you're doing? Mm. Think and that'll be a different answer for every student or, mm. or person for whatever their their um, activity is. So, what is the purpose of what you're doing? So, if it's a PhD student, for example, you it may be because you want to attain that PhD, or it may be that you want to fill that gap in research in that area, mm. or it might be that you want that next progression step in your career. Um, so there's a whole lot of reasons. And if we can think about that, even if you have to stick it on the wall to say this mm. is what I'm doing it, that's a good reason to put it. Then you've got to ask yourself, now, how do I serve that purpose? Mm. And that might give you some some motivation to go on for that day. Yeah, I love that, Meredith. I, I interviewed a lady who's doing her PhD and uh, she had a slightly different approach. She has a she has some pictures on her wall in her workspace yeah. and she's actually created a space. So she's taken one of the pictures down and there's a blank space on her wall. Oh, and that's yeah, her yeah. motivation for getting her PhD. I don't know if, um, if Yolandi's on the, on the webinar today, but uh, I interviewed her on the podcast and that, that blank space on her wall is actually what's motivating her. So she's going to fill that space with her PhD certificate. 
you know, Fantastic. so start with why, Simon Sinek, you know, that's the practical yes, application of, yep. of that advice that you're giving. Um, but yeah. equally for other people, it might be a sticky on the fridge, you know, it might be um, just, you know, something on, I, I remember when I was going through my PhD the last six months and I had a sort of detailed week by week plan of getting through all my sections and I broke that down and I actually teach it in one of my courses and I put that up in my cupboard door and then I would tick off day by day by day by day as I was going through those six months and I knew that mm. if I did 100, 150 words a day, I would get through my PhD thesis and I was in that crunch period of doing all that writing. But I needed that day-by-day -day motivation to to get me through. So, yeah, Meredith, I mean, I think, you know, some of those things that you're talking about are brilliant. And, and it really sounds like you're coming from, a you know, a, a point of view of having made a contribution, you know, doing some research. And now you're extending, you know, you know, the knowledge that we have about student success with more research, as I understand that you're doing. So maybe you can just talk about that research that you're doing um, and certainly the group that we have in the Student Success Coach uh, community in the Facebook group, and I put the link there if anybody is looking for a group just to connect and to get the encouragement and support that you need. We actually have a mentorship program running in that group at the moment, so you can come in there and say, look, I need a mentor, uh, or you can offer your services as a mentor, and we connect people through the group, so it's all sort of managed through the group, and I think it works quite well. We've got a couple of mentors working, etc. But Meredith, I mean, just communities like this that are focused on student success really seem to interest you, and you're doing some research on them, and I'm going to put the link on the chat now because I'd really like everybody watching today to click on that link and fill in Meredith's questionnaire so she's got some data to help her with the research. How, what are you doing, Meredith? How's all that going? Yeah, thanks, Peter. Um, so one thing, guys, if you could fill this out, you're going to help both Peter and I because this is about coaching in general. What are you looking for in a, in a student uh, success coach? So, you know, Peter provides certain aspects of coaching, maybe all of them, um, and then other coaches fulfill other themes in coaching. So I'm really interested to hear what students that voluntarily sign up for coaching, what are you looking for and what have you found so far? And, I mean, the I've had a couple of responses so far and I can see that the survey takes about four and a half minutes on average. So it's not a long, please um, give us that feedback so that we can improve the the uh, the quality and the content that we deliver for you. Um, where this comes from, I, I'm really keen to get um, students that are voluntarily approaching coaching because in my background, we provide mm. coaching for all students and it's it's group coaching but it's that they develop personalised um, learning plans and goals, smart goals um, that we follow through to see how they're achieving and um, what their investment and um, their commitment to their goals are. So mm. we help them to develop their goals and keep going with those goals or adapt them if need be. So um, we'd be really keen to hear what, what you're interested in learning about. There, the, the students that I've worked with while you're filling it up um, is uh, I, I usually ask them what they want to get out of the sessions um, and I uh, have an activity that I plan for the, the next session. So I have sessions of 10 students at a time and, for example, I've got the next one on Monday and we'll be looking at... Um, uh, socialization in profession. So we learn a lot of analytical data or um, clinical data or technical data in whatever theme um, we're, we're learning at uni, because it could be broad in this sense, I guess. Um, but we don't always get the social side of the profession that we're after. So we're going looking at that how do we connect with those in the profession is that a challenge or is it not a challenge is this something mm -hmm. we want to look at um so the students that i have they're okay um so i put it in the chat i just wanted to <laughs> tell everyone it is in the chat guys so okay. just where they see the chat might not have come through i know there's a slight delay from the broadcast to youtube but it will come through in the chat so uh uh, Jalal, it'll be in the chat, so please click on it. But Meredith, go ahead. If you can't find it, I can also add it in as well and you can click on another. Please do, thing. please do. Um, 
Yeah, we'll have a go at that. Um, let's see if this works. Yeah, go ahead. Different um, link. I just did yeah, it. Yeah, perfect. No, absolutely. Does that come and through? I mean, uh, I'm sure it will come through now. Let's trust the technology. I'm sure it will absolutely work. No problem at all. Um, so Meredith, you were saying, I mean, you rely on different data sets, et cetera. And then, I mean, I guess I'm interested and in, I, I was, we had a research proposals webinar two weeks ago and we were talking about mm -hmm. writing research proposals. And I guess you're past mm -hmm. that stage now, but part of that is, you know, a good thesis statement, a problem a statement, uh, but then also to have some sort of hypothesis. So, I mean, you've been in the field now, do you have a bit of a hypothesis about what you're anticipating to find in the data and the analysis that you could maybe break down for us, you know, in a couple of sentences, the sort of voluntary uh, willingness to get the kind of coaching that people like you and I offer students? I, you know what, I actually, um, I should have had a hypothesis, but I, I wanted to be open-minded here. I have not asked any voluntary students and I wouldn't want to uh, bias <laughs> the, uh, the comments that might still be coming through. But yeah. I would expect it to be quite varied based on what I've seen with the students at our faculty. Um, mm. and, and they're all undergraduates, I must admit. We don't offer it to postgraduates at this stage. Um, so they're, they're in their later years and then transitioning into practice, but my component is research-based. So mm. looking at research in practice. Mm. So they're looking to connect with researchers in practice and how they go about that, um, but also just any challenges. Some of the themes that we have at uni are um, around problem solving, oral communications, written communications, um, integrity. Mm. Do we understand our integrity? Um, what else? Uh, uh, teamwork. So mm. research often yeah. requires a lot of teamwork. So what are your strengths that you build, bring to that team and what are the other team members' strengths so that you build a team um, yeah. of, of the the different traits and skills um, that you need for for the research. Um, okay. Uh, what else? Inquiry, asking mm. questions, coming up with options and, and providing those to your supervisors rather than expecting responses from supervisors. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'd be really interested to see whether um, I would have loved to do this pre-COVID to see if stress is more of an issue. But um, I do find that in the in the last half of last year, there was a lot of uh, of the students wanting to talk more about stress and wellness and isolation. So connecting, teamwork, um, and wellness really. Okay. It's, uh, so we just got a question there from Kyra. So um, she she uh, didn't just quite catch your field in terms of your pharmacy and pharmaceutical sciences education background. And I happen to know that Kyra uh, is going into her master's in pharmacology and mm -hmm. uh, put some more detail on there. But I have a feeling her question might be, you know, maybe opening up whether you might want to be in touch with her. But just can you just touch on your pharmaceutical specific experience just to help Cara understand exactly what you do in that field? Okay, so um, I, I work for the Faculty of Pharmacy and Pharmaceutical Sciences. I have a pharmacy Bachelor of Pharmacy degree. I took a different path, so I haven't gone down the traditional master's uh, and then PhD, although I teach the master's and PhD students, which is an interesting journey for me. Mm. Um, but I think that times have changed. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. We all need our postgraduate degrees now uh, to get our roles in, in pharmacy and pharmaceutical sciences these days. Um, yeah. So except my experience with my mentors have allowed me to publish many papers and um, complete research um, without that structured approach of, of the degree. So I had those supervisors. It just wasn't formalised. Yep, yep. Uh, but I 
happy to, uh, you know, I, I now supervise, I, I, I um, train both uh, higher degree research students in, um, in supervision and, okay. and, uh, and all of those, uh, I coordinate the units for the research components of the Masters of Clinical Pharmacy and also interns going into pharmacy. Mm. Okay, interesting. Well, I mean, you and Cara can connect because you both are in the Facebook group. Uh, sure. So you guys can pop each other a message there as well. I just wanted to pick up on what you said just now about, um, you know, sort of question-based coaching. And, you know, my sort of perception on it would be that, you know, the coaching that I've done over, you know, 25 years of being in a corporate career and then more recently focusing on students, there's definitely a theme whereby um, you need to facilitate a person's journey and it's got to be theirs and they've got to take some initiative along the way. But the sort of question-based approach to that coaching interaction, if it's question-based, it's a leading approach um, that where you choose questions, you know, very carefully and thoughtfully can help that student or that person in that coaching interaction, you know, take different directions. Um, and I have had some extreme cases where you have to be a little bit more specific and really just kind of be, be a bit more directive, et cetera. But most mm -hmm. of the time, that question-based approach to, to coaching, and I think there's a lot of us on here and in the group as well, uh, you know, that voluntarily do mentoring and coaching and help other students, et cetera, and even just peer-to-peer -peer coaching. You know, very That's often, good. you know, we're all helping each other. And I, for me, just what you said about the question-based approach, I think, was was so powerful. Absolutely. I think with a question-based approach, it allows you to, to develop your own awareness. Mm. So, you know, in at uni, we get a lot of direction. Mm. And we want to know what is our awareness about that particular issue um, or, you know, next direction, etc. And then it empowers the person to take that forward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, fantastic. And I mean, you were also talking a bit about just the isolation leading to stress, etc. And there was another lady that I interviewed on the podcast, and she was part of the wellness team for the bank where I work here in South Africa. And mm -hmm. uh, pre-COVID, she was going into her master's degree to do a lot of research on how wellness supports bank employees. Um, and, you know, we can imagine we've got call centers, people that are sitting, you know, you know, on, on, on calls with customers all day and there's certain stress levels that are introduced because of that. And, and midway through, I think, sort of, and she was about to start her data gathering, we got locked down and she quickly pivoted her research then to bring in that isolation aspect to it as well. And, uh, you know, so she really studied and maybe I will connect you as well, but, uh, you know, she also put a lot of time and effort into then gathering data from in a large group of employees across the bank about, you know, what their response had been to the lockdown and how wellness teams within the bank where I work could then adjust their their response and support to them. Absolutely, Peter. That's a great example of adaption. Adapt, mm. <laughs> you know, what she was doing, perhaps start data collection and pivoted to isolation. So yeah. that's why I say sometimes whatever your plan is your plan can change each day and yeah. particularly at the moment when we're in a in a world of uncertainty of what's next um yeah, exactly if we can um, learn that adaption in a positive way is okay and we can learn yeah. to use strength that's really good um on isolation um yes. some, of the, some of the um techniques we use on any kind of issue or stress um, if it's acute, is to think of some of the things that are really important to the wellness cycle. So um, I can chat about those if you like. Yeah, please do. Yeah, so um, for an example, I was just thinking about the isolation and one of the students that I had and said, oh, I feel totally isolated. You know, I was, um, this is my last year at university. I really need to connect with people and um, and I'm really nervous about using the, you know, online technology, I'm not speaking up, um, it's stressing me. So um, I asked them about some of the um, wellness um, dimensions and how they are affected by that stress. For example, what happens to your breath 
when you think about that stress. So you're about to go on to one of your lectures or, or group workshops and uh, you think about what happens to your breath mm. and think about adapting your breath to make that a more positive experience. What can you do with your breath to improve that experience? Because that experience is still going to happen. You're still going to go to your workshop and um, that can really provide you a different uh, path through that workshop or, or, or meeting. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, but, but give us some advice. I mean, so now uh, let's say I'm going into a presentation and I'm feeling nervous. My breath is going to start quickening, I would imagine. It's going to start getting a bit more shallow um, as my body responds to, to the sort of fight or flight, you know, mentality of it. And I've always, you know, tried to embrace that nervousness um, because all public speakers get nervous. But mm -hmm. on the topic of breathing, how would I then breathe differently to help me be more successful or to manage my stress better in that situation? Um, so there's quite a few different techniques for breathing, but just a very simple realisation that your breath is quicker before you start that. So you sit down, take a couple of minutes before the meeting is about to start and make sure you're all prepared and then give time for your breath and just take four deep breaths in and then, you know, out again, inhale and exhale with four seconds for each just to calm everything back down. And then you might find that you have a very different experience to what you were expecting. Um, similar to... Uh, say another dimension which is movement or exercise but let's say movement um sorry i'm just reading carly's mention now. no i just put it there because it talks to your movement and exercise right now yeah yeah um yeah so with uh with movement when we're sitting there all day we get more tense and we want to work harder and we want to write more words and we want to achieve our goals. But sometimes we need to realise that we're, we're tense and that we have to take a different movement. So just changing our movement, standing up, going for a walk and coming back will change your mindset and you may find that you'll write differently and you won't have that stress as you go forward. Mm. It gives I mean, you a I mean, chance to yep. change. Just, just, yeah, keep your body moving. I mean, they say sitting is the new smoking. Um, you right. know, so now we're all forced to sit. And I think, you know, those of us that had these sort of little watches that monitor your steps and everything, I never really got onto that uh, craze. But, you know, you could do two or three kilometers walking around an office block during the day, you know, and I always felt that running between meetings, literally, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, in a crazy corporate exactly. life, or running between lectures from one side of the campus to the other side of the campus, it just kept you busy, kept you motivated. You know, it kept the blood going, it kept the metabolism going. But now we're literally sitting, you know, and and like we said mm -hmm. earlier, that can start from seven thirty-six in the morning all the way through to late at night. And just your point about being, you know, you know, moving, going for a walk. I mean, it's it's good common sense, but great to be reminded of that today. And I guess Carly, another thing, and and I don't know if you agree with this, Meredith, but what I've seen people doing more, a lot more of, is having standing desks. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and, and you can get really good standing desks so that you're actually standing while you're working, and you put your you put your laptop up. And then, in fact, Winston Churchill only ever stood at a desk. I don't know if people know mm -hmm. this, but, you know, um, he ran England uh, standing up at a desk uh, when he was when he was <laughs> prime minister there. Um, so it's just an you know, interesting fact there for everybody. But uh, look, I've never, cotton, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never cottoned on to it myself either. He also only got out of bed at 11 o'clock in the morning. He never got out of bed before 11 o'clock. So um, very, very interesting man. But, you know, just the application there might be, for people to consider just at their workspace. I mean, just maybe get some books and lift your, your, your PC up a little bit so that your body is standing. And the activity of keeping your body upright actually is exerting, you know, some of that energy, which when you're sitting is going to go into the wrong places, I guess, you know, and then start mm -hmm. the, the weight increase and the, the body-related stress problems because the, the body will absorb a lot of that stress. But if you're not moving your body, it's got to do something else with that stress. Am I on the right track here? Yeah, and to add to that, though, Peter, even if you're standing, don't stand all the time. You've yes. got to move from the standing position as well. 
So you might feel it in your shoulders or your back. And so you need to just do, you know, set a timer if you need to, to stretch or change. And it'll also change your thinking. And there's lots of different options for that too. If, if you are, if you've got a lot of deadlines and times your time poor, put the call on your mobile phone and go for the walk. Yes. And, and just have a change in your day so that you're not sitting or standing for the rest of the day. Yeah. No, that's Those such good advice. Answers. Yeah, Merida, thank mm. you. And I just, just uh, thinking back to our chat about, um, you know, doing presentations and so on, and you, you made an important point about being prepared. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I've always found that I'm more stressed if I'm not as prepared as I should have been for something. And uh, I mean, before we came on the call, we had some technical issues, which we managed to resolve about a minute beforehand. And that's sometimes <laughs> nothing that you can do about it. Um, but at least if I've got, you know, my slides and my story and I can anticipate the questions and I've run through it beforehand, you know, I might breathe quickly just because of my nerves, but I rely on the fact that I prepared well. And once I get into it, you know, that preparation pulls me through. So I just put a, a link into a course of mine that will teach you everybody on this call today about, you know, how to do effective presentations. And the, the tool that I teach there and the basics and the sort of more advanced features is of PowerPoint. But I talk about, you know, calming your nerves and going into a public speaking situation. And now it can be a little bit more online than in person, etc. And sometimes the online aspects brings in even more nerves because you don't know how you come across on the other side. You, you, you don't know what people are doing on the other side. You know, when I would present, even if it was a room of 100 people, I could sense the body language. I could make eye contact with individual people. Now I'm just looking at a very impersonal webcam on my laptop. Um, you know, sometimes I put a smiley face there if I'm recording, you know, courses or stuff like that to keep the engagement going. But I can see you now, which is great, and everybody can see us, you know, but very often, you know, there's slides, you can't see where you are, etc. And there's there's etiquette issues and so on. So so these are all real issues that we're all facing, whether we're working or studying or doing both, I guess. So true, so true, Peter. Um Bringing in that and the stress around those changes and how things can be and how prepared you are can play a real factor in how things go. At the same time, um, making sure you have a balance of some type of fun, as you said, you put a smiley face up in the top corner. Um, so what we say with uh, one of the dimensions of, of wellness is to ensure that in your work, that you have an element of play. Now, play doesn't mean, you know, go and have a game of football or whatever, um, but to have something that you enjoy in that work. So whether mm. it's a face up the top that you can look at and laugh at or whether you uh, set yourself a little game of how many papers can I appraise in, you know, a week's time and then set yourself a personal best or um, something that, you know, relates to you that's going to make it fun. And an example of that for me was I needed to go and see uh, one of the general manager of the faculty and, uh, you know, I was thinking about all these things and I was stressed about what I was going to say and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to make it fun and I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a mind map of with different mm. colours and, and just work it out that way. And I took the mm. mind map me. I never used it, but it just helped me get myself into the right position and have a lot of fun with what I was about to do in a very stressful situation. So but, um, yeah. bringing those things in to, you know, add that into your uh, task list to make sure that there's some element of play in there really helps. Brilliant, <laughs> uh, Meredith, I love that. And I think we often do get a bit too serious. And sometimes we have this belief that, you know, everyone else is serious. And, you know, possibly in a work context, sometimes there's a bit more formality, but but most of the great leaders and managers that I've seen have always tried to just calm everyone down and bring in a little bit of a fun aspect to it. And good lecturers and supervisors will do that as well. And I think what you're suggesting is just to experiment with that. As long as it doesn't detract from the content or the purpose of what you're trying to do, there are some things that you can do that just, you know, bring in that element of, of, of relaxation and chat. And certainly if you're doing a presentation, if you're presenting a proposal or if you're defending a dissertation or whatever, absolutely. Just bring in a little bit of a fun aspect, you know, right up front or just maybe when you detect the mood is a bit, you know, stale, just bring in some laughter um, and use techniques that are authentic, you know, I guess, uh, 
for, for, for you as an individual. And maybe just the last sort of thought just linked to that aspect of having a little bit of fun. And uh, I've put the link into the uh, chat here. I interviewed a lady on the podcast and she talked about how you must be kind to yourself. Mm. And, uh, you know, so, you know, pick the elements of fun that, that sort of make it interesting, etc. But then also pick the things in your life that you could look forward to and that you can reward yourself with once you get through difficult patches, once you overcome stress, once you've completed a presentation or a meeting, whatever the case would be. And if it is that walk and you get the exercise done as well, that's fantastic. Or maybe it's something you've wanted to buy for yourself. That might be a little bit of a luxury. Do those things reward yourself you've made an accomplishment you've got through a task you've got through a presentation and train yourself you know not to be a slave to those rewards you know like pavlov's dog um but but that there is an upside that maybe you have to create you know given that we're more isolated now but you have to take an active role in actually creating uh, for yourself potentially great i love that and for me yeah yeah, for me, you know, for me, it, it will be a walk. You know, I take 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 my dog for a walk and just get get out in that fresh air, um, you know, and and listen to a podcast. I love podcasts, etc. But for other people, it could be anything. Going, you know, and, and having a spa treatment or going and buying a book. Look, obviously, we're not not not. Uh, I think going to shops much these days anyway. But there's so many different ways in which we can reward ourselves. And and as this lady said in the podcast, be kind to yourself. Um, mm. And whether it's a big milestone like getting your degree or just, you know, in assignments and progress during the week, do those things so that you, you look forward to them and you do reward yourself. And when you say reward yourself, uh, Peter, it's not just those big ticket items either. It's, you know, those little ones every day like moving the sticky note across or giving yourself a pat on the back or, you know, going down and buying something special for yourself when you've got to a certain milestones, really good. But, you know, the, the celebration is in, you know, kind of the context of what you're doing. But you do need to celebrate those smaller milestones as well um, yeah. to, to the bigger one. And there uh, it is just, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I just uh, saw, is it Gianna's um, comment on sleep and sleep cycles? Yes, this one. Yeah. Okay. Aretha, yeah. yes, Aretha's a regular. Oh, Aretha. Hello, Aretha, how are you? <laughs> oh, that's a different one. Okay, we'll go to Gina first. Uh, we'll go to uh, Aretha. Aretha, okay, Aretha and then Gina. Uh, okay, well, let's put it, there's Gina. Go for it with, okay. with Gina's sleep cycle. Hi, I Gina. haven't read this one yet. Okay, yeah, that's uh, about sleep cycles. Now, th this isn't coaching, by the way. This is uh, from a health a professional uh, sleep physician um, who's given me this advice but because um, I used to work on the respiratory ward, so this is... Not my advice, but um, what they suggest to do is if you want to change that cycle, if it's not suiting you, um, then you change it by 15 minutes or half an hour every day. So you, you move it back. So you might need to go to bed at 1.30. You may not sleep that first night, but you must get up at 10.30 in the morning. You must not sleep until 11. And then you just do that for three nights and bring it back half an hour each time, each three days. Mm. So you're slowly yeah. getting to the cycle that you want to. But you've got to be and, committed yeah. to that. You've got to set it as a yeah. goal yourself. And, and, and Meredith, would you say devices out of the bedroom, looking at a screen <laughs> yes. before you fall asleep? Oh. And we, I know we all do it. We're all guilty. Yep. But if there's one thing we can enforce today, it's just please, guys, just get that blue screen or that illumination mm. out of your eyes at least a half an hour before you actually want to go to sleep. Absolutely. An hour if you can, but at least half an hour. Yeah. Do some reading. Listen. You can listen for a bit if you need to um, and do a meditation or if if you're into mindfulness, that type of thing. Yeah. Or, or just stretching can really yeah. help. Yeah. And, I mean, my, my sort of thoughts on Gina's point here, I think related back to the exercise discussion that we've had where, you know, perhaps mm -hmm. during the day we're not getting as much physical exercise, so our body actually isn't feeling as tired as mm -hmm. it normally would be if we were running around a campus or an office uh, uh, environment, etc. And so we have to be a bit more intentional and purposeful about going to the gym or doing some exercise to help our body fall asleep better when we come to actually lying down. 
And I certainly find on the days that I've done exercise, I fall asleep a lot quicker. So Gina, mm -hmm. that might be something just to, to think about um, and be a bit more intentional about. And by all means, put a task up on your, your Kanban board. If you've all gone through my course and I put the link there for you guys to do that, put a Kanban task up uh, on your board to say, go, go to the gym. Uh, you know, I love swimming or going for a walk, et cetera, but choose what it is that you want to do uh, to, to keep yourself moving and physically active so that when you come to sleep later on, you are able to fall asleep a bit better uh, would be my thoughts. And the, the same goes for your meal times as well. So, you know, when when you don't have your routine of university, you might not eat breakfast before you go. So you don't you're, you're eating at a different time as well um, mm. or meal missing your meals so bringing back that routine even though that you're at home is is really valuable to get your sleep in the right place as well yeah fantastic um we've we've covered so much ground meredith and just to mm -hmm. sort of last question where to from here now with your research and what are your sort of timelines um that we can obviously hopefully we've got some good data coming through on the questionnaire guys if you haven't filled in the survey please go and do that but now you know what does that pathway look for you in the future yeah so I'll, I'll have a look at those results and um, we'll do an analysis we'll hopefully get back and present some of that to you if there's enough data there that I can do that to make some um, some uh, sense and bring it back to coaching for Peter and myself and whoever else is interested um, and for me what it means is that I'll be able to look at the different areas I, I I coach in two different areas. I coach for students, but I also coach for um, areas of transition. So looking at particularly women, it seems, in the voluntary area, um, women transitioning from uh, a workplace to um, home life or from having after having children going back to the workplace or studying again. So, um, so looking at different transitions, and that can... It's the same thing for students. They've just got different challenges because the different ages have different um, stressors on the experience. So, um, so I'll see where these different themes fit into to those age groups and demographics. And Fantastic. I'll some results to this group, if you like. And that's, sorry, that's your PhD, Masters. What is your, I mean, that's oh, what's that? That big milestone you're going for. <laughs> it's a small milestone. It's just an add-on. Uh, so it's part of a certificate of professional okay. coaching. So okay. it's a certificate for, but it has taken me three years, Peter, to. <laughs> um, but that's because I keep taking more jobs. They just keep coming at me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to prioritise different things. Yes. And for COVID, um you know the university plus the healthcare sector really needed needed us back in those areas. So um, the the study went on the back burner for me for that that point. But that's mm. an example of how times change and where you need to move and and adjust. But this year is my mm. study, so I'll be back on putting the student hat back on. Okay, fantastic, great. So maybe just, uh, and Meredith, we wish you absolutely everything of the best and we will continue to support you uh, in the Members Only Facebook group and, uh, you know, look forward to hearing, um, you know, your progress on that. But maybe just to let everybody know that next week we are looking at um, academic referencing. So we will all have to do referencing uh, in any final report or thesis or dissertation. The scale of it is just going to change or the number of references that you'd have um, and I've put a link to, to, to my course on academic referencing uh, on the chat there, but we're going to go into a little bit more detail next week. So please, guys, join us next week at 12 o'clock uh, if you'd like some insights about uh, academic referencing. And I talk about the tips and tricks that I've developed uh, when I did my PhD. And it really is an area where when I've spoken to students, they, you know, don't, that it's not, it's not a, confident area for them it's maybe a bit of a, a grudge that they have to get through and could be a source of stress and if you can just get that area sorted it's going to be one thing that you can reduce stress in so just talking about wellness as we have been today i firmly believe that if you can get good work processes going and quick tools and tips and tricks that help you reference quicker and easier as you're writing so cite while you write in word and setting up an endnote mm -hmm. reference library and i've got some tips and tricks between google scholar and endnote uh, you know that i learned the hard way 
you know, and I started out doing my PhD just keeping PDFs on my my computer and and thinking that I could name the PDF and then I would know which where to go back to and get that information out of it. And by the time I'd done a PhD, you know, I had a thousand references, but by then I'd learned to properly, you know, put them in EndNote and know how to access them and get them quickly into the final report where I needed them. So we're going to go into all of that um, next week. So, so Meredith, please come back and join us next week. I'm sure you're going to be doing some referencing, but I'm sure that you probably <laughs> have, you know, good good work patterns around referencing. Um, well, I wish I'd had a Peter <laughs> back in the day because I did a similar thing, <laughs> PDFing everything, putting it into files, and I wish I'd known about EndNote at the time. But yeah, uh, scholar, but yeah, so um, very helpful um, tools to use there. So please be on those to to learn the easy way. Yeah, no, Meredith, thank you very much. And and all the sort of content and coaching and community that I've created here are the things that I wish I'd had and the things mm. that I'd wish I'd done better to make my uh, academic career a lot less stressful. So the aim is to everybody on the call, you know, to help you reduce your stress, um, to give you access to the content and the value adds and the support and the coaching that you need to be successful as a student. Um, so there's lots of resources that we put out on the chat today. Meredith's uh, survey is there. Please go and fill that out. Um, please go and listen to the inspiring uh, success stories on the podcast. Uh, go subscribe here on the YouTube channel uh, so that you can get regular updates. And if there are any questions that come through on the chat of uh, most of the webinars, I actually then put a separate video together on the YouTube channel and I go through that question, I unpack it. Um, so you can still get the answers to these questions and certainly my perspective on them uh, through the YouTube channel. And of course, all the courses that I provided links to on Udemy. So please go and check those out. I've got a range of student success related courses. Um, and you're always welcome to pop me a note uh, in the Facebook group. I can open that up for you to go in for free. Uh, so please do take advantage of of all of those uh, resources. It's It's my commitment to your success because it's all the things that I wish that I'd had uh, when I was going through studies as well. And then, of course, also sign up, you know, for the, the weekly mailing list and then you'll get values and promotional offers as they come through. But, Meredith, it's time to say goodbye and a big thank you for your time. I'm sure your husband, you know, would like to catch up with you. It's a Friday evening in Australia. We've intruded enough into your home life. So I really appreciate that and you taking the time to be with us here at lunchtime in South Africa. So good luck with the studies. All the best. And thank you for the fantastic work that you're doing. Keep it up and good luck. Thanks, Peter, and thanks for the opportunity, everyone. I've put my email there if anyone wants to reach out and have a chat at any time. That's very kind of you. Thank you, Meredith. Appreciate that. Goodbye, everybody. Thank have you. a super, super Friday to everybody. Good weekend, and we'll see you next week for uh, academic referencing tips and techniques. Cheers, everyone. See you.